I don't know if you are aware of it or not, but we do serve an overwhelming God. Not only is he overwhelming in who he is and what he does, but he can overwhelm us. One of my ongoing prayers for myself and for others, and one of the things I text to some of my pastor friends on Sunday morning to let them know I prayed for him, is that I say, I'm praying that God overwhelms you today with his spirit, with his grace, with his power. Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to detect how on fire for God someone was. If there was a spiritual fire detector. Now we have smoke detectors and fire detectors in our house and I've yet to see the one invented, though somebody would become a millionaire instantly if they could do it. The smoke detector you could put in the kitchen where you could yell at it and say, no fire, just cooking. Um, or near the grill. Or maybe if you have a fireplace and have trouble with that. Our smoke detector went off this week. Not cooking. The fireplace. The wood wasn't quite prepared and evidently we're having some damper issues and the smoke kind of came out and Jody opened some windows and thought it was taken care of and she came upstairs. The fireplace is downstairs and a couple of hours later she said, it smells like smoke. I said, it looks like smoke. We walked downstairs and went, oh my, there's a lot of smoke. And the smoke detector was already going and it was, the smoke was so thick that just doing the normal thing like you do if it goes off in the kitchen, either blow on it or fan it real fast and hope it doesn't come back on. I had to pull it off the wall and pull the battery out. There was no fire. It was all smoke. But I started thinking in regard to this message. By the way, we're okay. We got some stuff that smells like smoke. And in fact, yesterday at Celebrate Life, we both looked at each other and, you know, what's going on here? Wouldn't it be great if there was a smoke detector, more importantly, a fire detector for spiritual fire? So let me ask you this. If you had one, how often would your spiritual fire detector go off regularly or my battery wore out before it went off because scripture tells us we're to be on fire for God now somebody said to me earlier and said I hope nobody takes this literal it's time to catch fire and I said, well, here's my disclaimer. I don't mean for you to literally be caught, catch on fire, but actually I do. Not your skin, your heart. Not your hair. Some of us, that's a small fire. But your life on fire for Christ. In the book of Acts in the New Testament... 
Chapters 1 and 2 are some of the clearest examples, but it's not limited there. It's in the Old Testament, and it's all over the New Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 20, verse 9, I just reference often, where the prophet is saying that, you know, if I'm told I can't talk about this, at some point that doesn't work because it's like fire shut up in my bones. When was the last time you could have agreed with the prophet Jeremiah that your relationship with Christ was so strong and so hot that you just couldn't contain it? Ah, Pastor, you're talking about being radical. Absolutely. We've been called to a radical life. We have tamed it down. Our God is not a tame God. Oh, he's full of grace and mercy and love, but love does not have to be tame. In fact, true love shouldn't be tame. It should be red hot. Always noticeable. Always making a difference. So if you had your Bibles or your Bibles on your devices, I encourage you to take a look in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses in each chapter. Chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, it says, And while staying with them, he, that's Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses when and if you're filled with his spirit. In chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, it says that talking about on the day of Pentecost, Jesus has left them, given them the instructions that we just read. And it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. In fact, it was a big prayer meeting. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. And, (laughs) wow, filled the whole place. Same God, by the way. Verse 3 says, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was obvious signs of what had taken place. And then at the end of chapter 2 in Acts, beginning at verse 41. 
And those who received his word, by the way, let me just call time out. Peter, the most unlikely of all the disciples, stood up and preached this gospel message uh, to everyone. The, The apostles, the disciples wouldn't have voted for him. But he stood up, filled with the Spirit, and did what God had prepared him to do. In verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Don't miss that. They went from 120 to 3,120 in one service. That's called church growth. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's in addition to the 3,000 that came to faith in one day. It's not about the numbers. But the numbers matter because each number is a soul. It still matters today. What matters, though, is if we are filled with his spirit, if the spiritual fire detector is going off all the time, there will be those regularly who come to Jesus. It's one of the signs and fruits of a spirit-filled life. I want to go back to Acts 1. In Acts 1.6, the disciples asked Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom? Don't miss his response. I don't mean the literal wording, though that's important, but the, but the meaning behind it. They said, will you do this at this time? His response in verse 8 was, not without you. Some of you have forgotten that. He said, I'm going to do my thing. But the plan is with you, through you. Not just God, supernatural, though he could do it that way. It's just not his choice. He chooses to use us. One of the most exciting things yesterday was to be reminded that he didn't say, I'm only going to do it through legal adults. anyone accepting Christ. He says, I'm going to do it through you if you allow my spirit to fill you. His plan is to do this, but to do it with us. God created you and sent his son Jesus to die in your place so that he could be raised back to life so that you and I might have life. And that plan includes you. Not just those around you. Not just your grandparents. You. Regardless of your past. Regardless of your current position in life. Regardless of your age or your health. 
The plan includes you. In fact, you are a critical part of God's plan to reach the world. But you won't do your part until you catch fire. Until you catch fire, you're not going to show much light. Until you catch fire, you're not going to warm many hearts. We need to catch fire fire to do our part. We cannot do what we were created and called to do if we remain cold and passive spiritually. We must be red hot and filled with the Holy Spirit power. So let me ask you the most important question I'm going to ask today. How hot is your spiritual fire? Is your detector going off often? Or can you not remember the last time it went off? It's time to catch fire. Originally, I had this sermon titled, It's Time to Be Lit. <clears throat> but I figured I'd have to do too much explaining about some of the cultural uh, connotations of that phrase, but I still like that title better. So if you like it, go ahead and use it. But it's time to catch fire for Christ. But the first question is, why catch fire? First, you were created and called for this. Jesus himself said it. Verses 4 and 5 of Acts 1, while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which said that you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You were created for this, and you were called to this. Verse 8, after receiving that, you will be. It didn't said you, doesn't say you may be. It says you will be my witnesses. You were created to be a witness for Christ with your life. We should catch fire just because we were created for it and called to do it. The second reason you should catch fire is the world needs it. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a whole lot of division in our world, in our country, in our community, in too many of our homes. We need to catch fire for the sake of the world and our own soul. We catch fire so that we can be a witness in our world. Where we are, wherever he sends us, and we can help those he sends to other places. But how do you catch fire? Number one, be prepared for it. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, In the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Some translations say they were all together in one accord. Meaning they were not just physically together, they were spiritually, emotionally, and relationally together. Too often we come together in a body of believers and we're not together. You can be in the presence of somebody and not be with them. 
right? We've been called to be together. Agree on everything? No. I mean, some of you are fans of the wrong teams. Some of your body temperature thermostats are way off. In other words, they don't agree with me. But we're to be together in spirit, in purpose. We have to be prepared to catch fire. Just like lighting a fire, the wood needs to be prepared. If it's too wet, it's not going to light. Now, I could already hear a couple of you, generally guys, in your mind went, got enough gasoline, it will. You know what? That's true. Enough of the Holy Spirit will light anybody on fire. But it's a whole lot easier if you're ready for it. It's a whole lot easier if you're desiring it. It's a whole lot easier if you are preparing and asking for it. God desires to do it. The thing in this last few months that God has just pressed upon me. I did that series of messages. God's still God no matter what. But the part I didn't emphasize enough was he's still the same God. The stuff we read about in here, the experience of those who have gone before us, we love that. But we often then translate it in our mind, but it's not for now. That's not because he's changed. It's because we have. One thing I miss in today's vehicles, I miss the old front bench seat. Yeah, I'm old. Some of you have never seen one. Go to a museum. Or Google it. Maybe Google doesn't even have it. I don't know. You know why? When we were dating, she could sit right beside me. Now, she's way over there. She can't sit in the middle. It's not legal. I mean, there's, plus there's nothing to sit on. Some of us have put things between us and God. And he's not the one who moved. We need to prepare our hearts and our minds to be lit by him. How do you catch fire? By asking and looking for it. <laughs> Acts 2.1, they were together. They were praying in one accord. They were looking for it. They were asking for it. And also, if you want to catch fire, don't dampen it. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. The Spirit can be quenched. One of the churches that I was pastoring a number of years ago, as the church had grown and we had to add a service, but all of us on staff, especially and leaders, talked about the fact, man, there was such a difference between the two services. The one seemed to always have great things happen, and the other, we had a service. So we were going, what are we doing? Is it too early? Is it this? Is it this? And the Lord kind of revealed to me it was because of a handful of people in that first service whose spirit 
was squelching and quenching everybody else. Don't quench the spirit. One, don't do it for yourself. But two, you can harm others. If you are trying to quench the spirit or even being skeptical, the revival outbreak, the move of the spirit that took place on Asbury campus and is still taking place and has spread to others. I've read too many in the church who talked about they were skeptical of it. I'm like, skeptical of what? And generally the explanation was, well, he can do it anywhere. My thing is, that's true, but he's not doing it where you are. Why are you upset he's doing it over there? They were prepared. They were asking for it. There was a group praying for it. Don't quench what the Spirit wants to do in your own life and what it might do to others if you quench that. Don't dampen it. If you want to catch fire, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. All of you. Most of us, when we come to Christ, we say, come on in. But then we mutter, except here. I've never been in any house, if I were allowed to go through the drawers, sometimes when I wasn't, that I couldn't find a junk drawer. Even in the most organized of homes, there was one of those. Now, some of us have more than one my office. But you have one of those things and it's just kind of the catch-all. And spiritually, too many of us have junk drawers that we've told God hands off. That's my junk. Plus, everything in that drawer I need. They've been in there for 10 years, but I need it. I'm, I'm sure of it. And a couple of you right now went, that's right, last time I threw one of those out, I needed it the next week. It was a thumbtack. Buy another one. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. All of us. Open up the junk drawer. Give him the key to that closet that nobody else is allowed to see. The one that when company is coming over, you shove everything into and hope it doesn't burst open. Allow him to fill you. That's the plan. Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit comes on you and in you to fill you. One of the commentators I read this week said to be diffused throughout your whole being. Diffusers are kind of a big thing. You know, you get some little spray in there and it gives some aroma that we never agree on. And, you know, it fills the whole place. Right now, ours is smoke. That, that's, that's the smell that our diffuser did. But what if we were diffused, saturated with, overwhelmed by, filled with the Holy Spirit as God intended? But then the practical question is, what do we do with the fire? We've got a fire. What do we do with it? What's the purpose? Number one, use it to fuel your life 
for Christ. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, when this happens, you'll be my witnesses. And by the way, make sure you understand in verse 8, it says you're going to be my witnesses right where you are. He said Jerusalem. That's where they were. But then he said, and Judea, that's the surrounding area. And then he said, Samaria, and that's out to the uncomfortable places and uncomfortable people to you. And then, just in case you weren't understanding what he was saying, he said, the whole world. Why do we light on fire? So that we can reach the world. So that we can use that as the fuel to do what we've been called and created to do. We also need to use it to light the way for ourselves and for others to see Jesus. I mean, there are people that we know who just seem to always point the way to Jesus. Everything they do in every way they do it seems to just point us back to Jesus. If we're lit by the Holy Spirit on fire for him, it creates a light wherever we go, and we need to use that to show people Jesus. Because it's about him. It's not about us. It's not about this us. It's about him. All that we do should be pointing people and lighting the way for others to see Jesus. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, it says they began to do these things together. Don't get hung up on trying to discern exactly what they did. Just realize they came together and they did it so that others would know and they would be strengthened and strengthen each other. That's why it's important to gather together. That's why in Hebrews it says don't neglect the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing and even more so nowadays. It's great to watch online, and I'm glad for those of you who can when you can't be here. Just quit using it as a crutch not to show up here. Gotta love me to get to heaven. Because there's something that happens when we gather. There's something that happens when we get shoulder to shoulder and face to face with others who are also on fire for Christ. We use the fire to heat up cold hearts and cold souls. Jeremiah 29, 20 verse 9. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't help but let it out. You see, somebody who's red hot for Jesus, somebody whose spiritual fire is burning bright, will impact others. They can raise the temperature. Just like there are those who can dampen it, there are those who can overcome that. And the more of us who are that way and get together with each other, the more of that will happen. We also use it to draw others to Jesus, not just lighting the way, but literally drawing them in. I mean, in Acts 2, 41, it says 3,000 on that one occasion. Do you realize what that did to their church budget? They were budgeted for 120, and the next week they had 3,120. Their treasurer went crazy. Except actually they didn't because the scripture tells us they all gave. 
of themselves and of what God had given them. What do we do with the fire? We use it to draw others to Jesus. Acts 2.42, it began to happen on a day-by-day basis. And then lastly, we use the fire to change our world. You know, I, I don't know how to touch the world. Well, I said your world. Change your world, where you are. And as you do that, there are ways that come, whether it's through giving, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through sending, or whether it's through going, to change the world for Christ. The fire matters, but it all starts with the fire. You got to get lit by the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit. How hot is your spiritual fire? Is your spiritual detector going off or is it rusting out? Is your heart and life prepared for the fire? Are you ready to receive it? Or is your life just wet? What are you doing with the fire he's already provided? Who are you drawing toward Jesus because of the fire that's on your life? How hot is your spiritual fire? We've been called and created to be keepers of the flame, to be passers of the fire that will draw others, not only just the warmth of it, but the impact of it. How hot is your spiritual fire? Jesus, thank you for providing that we can have fire, for providing that we can have your Holy Spirit. In fact, we not only can have it, we need it. Lord, may you give us a hunger to be filled. Give us a hunger to use what you provided to see others come to you. Give us a hunger for more and more of you. Give us a hunger to see others come to faith in you. Lord, may that hunger be so strong that we will do whatever it takes to see people come to Jesus. Lord, be our spiritual fire detectors this week. Put a spotlight on our own hearts and minds and lives to see how hot we're burning for you. And if it's been a while since that detector went off, if it's been a while since we've actually lit the way for anyone else, show that to us. And may we have the courage to confess it and allow you to fill us. Lord, thank you for those who light, put a light on the way before us. And may we do the same for those who are coming behind us. These things I pray in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus. Amen.